Hey, listening family, we have some exciting news. And we do have something exciting going on. We are going through a name change for our radio broadcast, and we're going to shift the name from Living Truth Radio to Walk in Truth. And Walk in Truth is a name that I think helps capture the heartbeat of this ministry, help people to walk out the truth, to live out the truth, to walk by faith and not by sight. So we're going to stay the same. We're going to change from Living Truth Radio to Walk in Truth. Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lands. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. Take your Bible, open it to Mark chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 40 through 45. The message is, I am willing. Mark 1, verse 40. So you got the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Mark chapter 1. Let's pray one more time. Father, it's good to be together this morning. We, we don't want to take for granted the fact that we have this beautiful time to come into your house and spend it with your people. But as we sang this morning, we want to know your presence, the glory of your presence, Lord. Thank you that the Bible teaches us that you inhabit the praises of your people. But thank you that the Bible teaches more than that, that you inhabit us as your temple that the Holy Spirit is in us if we are a believer this morning. And it is through that Holy Spirit, Father, that I pray that you'd prod us to open our ears and open our eyes. Let us hear what the Spirit says to your people, your church. We're going to look at a story, an incredible, amazing story of your grace, of a man in desperate need, a man who was an outcast, a man who lived in a painless suffering. And I pray, Lord, that that picture that emerges from this leprous man would teach us what you want us to know this morning. Extend your hand to heal us. Lord, heal our hearts, which is the heart of our problem. They're desperately sick, incurable. Who can understand it? But you do, Lord, and you are the one. The master's touch can heal us and That's our prayer this morning. Make us more like you. Draw us to yourself. Let us be a community filled with compassion and passion for the gospel. We lay this time at your feet. Take it where you want it to go. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now last time we were together, we saw a beautiful day in Capernaum, a seaside city off the Sea of Galilee. Jesus had been thrown out of his hometown. He went to preach in the synagogue in Nazareth. They kicked him out because they didn't like his full sermon. They took him to the uh, brow of a hill and they were gonna kill him. And he supernaturally passed by because it wasn't his appointed time to die, nor would he die in that way. And he moved on to a seaside town called Capernaum. It was the, uh, his adopted hometown, according to Matthew 9, verse 1. It was a place that apparently Peter lived, had a house there. And these incredible miracles took place. One happened in the synagogue. It was the healing of a man who had an unclean spirit, and the spirit came out of him by the command of Jesus Christ. And there was great wonder, and Jesus went to Peter's house and healed his mother-in-law, and she uh, had a terrible fever, and she was healed and began to serve. And then Jesus had the city just emerge as the sun set 
The whole city came to the door of Peter's house and one after the other, Jesus was casting out demons, healing people of diseases and it was an incredible night in Capernaum until we turn to Matthew chapter 11. And we saw Jesus begin to speak woes upon cities where most of his miracles had occurred. And he named Bethsaida and he named Capernaum. And he said, if the miracles that occurred in you would have occurred in Tyre and Sidon and Sodom and Gomorrah, they would have repented in sackcloth and ashes. But you, the implication, you will not repent. And though there were these incredible miracles that happened and in deep into the night, Jesus healing one person after the other, the, the picture we get from the mouth of the Messiah is that the bulk of the people who experienced the miracles did not truly repent in their hearts. And I said last Sunday that if you have the privilege of experiencing a physical healing, which we do believe occurs, and if God extends his hand of grace to you, and we all know, I I said to you, when we're sick, when we know somebody's sick, we pray earnestly for their healing, and we do believe that God still heals. But if someone is healed, it is at best temporary. We're all gonna die of our last disease. The true healing that we need is in our souls, and he was wounded to heal our souls, but the testimony against Capernaum with all the miracle light that went out that night is that most of the people did not see the spiritual point. Now, Mark's gospel is a rapid-moving gospel, and it it, uh, highlights a lot of Jesus's miracles, but I want to say something to you about Jesus's miracles that maybe you've thought of, maybe you haven't. Jesus's miracles really did happen. They were true healing miracles, instantaneous miracles in most cases. They were true, they were legitimate, they could be tested, they could be documented medically. But his miracles were also parables. This is very important to understand. His miracles were a picture of something deeper. Now the word parable, you, many of you know that Jesus spoke in parables, is a word called parabole in Greek. It literally means to set one thing aside another thing to bring clarity to it. It's been said that a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. A parable is an earthly story with a spiritual point. And Jesus' miracles were also parables. On a sub-level, they were making a deeper spiritual point than what you just saw on the surface. Example, In Luke 14, a man with dropsy comes in to a dinner party that Jesus has been invited to. Dropsy is a disease or it's a culmination of diseases where you retain fluid in your body and you swell up and that, that, this is kind of gross, but this is what happens, where you can have liquids in the body even begin to ooze out of your body. This man was put before Jesus, I believe intentionally, to see if Jesus would heal him and Jesus did heal him. But the man who had this infectious disease or this swelling of his body was a picture of Israel, swelled with pride, and they would not come to the healer to receive their healing. They stayed in their sick condition. When Jesus fed the 5,000 plus women and children, he said, I'm the bread of God, I'm the bread that came from heaven. The miracle of the manna was a deeper spiritual picture. He feeds the soul. That's why he came. 
When he talks about living water, he says, I can quench your deepest thirst. It's a picture of what God does for us. And when he delivered people from demonic possession, he was showing that he has power over Satan. When he called people out of the tomb and walked out of the tomb himself, he was showing that he had power over death. His miracles were parables. They were intended to show the condition of mankind and the ability of God to heal us. So important that we understand this. In fact, every time he did a miracle, I think he expected people to say, aha, I get it. There's something more going on here. There's a deeper picture that needs to be seen. And this is the picture that is painted for us by the Gospel of Mark. The leper will come to him, a man with leprosy. You might ask, what was leprosy? Well, leprosy was at first thought to be an infectious skin disease. It was something that often showed itself in shining spots on the skin, redness. It would look like a, like a terrible skin disease. But as they did more research, uh, the disease has now come in modern times to be known as Hansen's disease. It's, a lot of research has been done by a Dr. Hansen. And they have found that the essence of leprosy is not so much that it is a skin-eating disease, although it looks like that. What leprosy really does is kill the nerve endings and you lose sensitivity to pain. So that if you have leprosy, you could stick your hand in something hot and not know that it was burning you. You could hit your finger with something and not know that you lost a digit. And the the stories are that lepers' faces would begin to cave in. They would take a a lion-like appearance from scratching their faces. And they even say in modern surgery accounts, when they would do surgery on a leper, they would send a cat home with a leopard with a leper to make sure that no vermin like mice would begin to chew on their ear during the night because they wouldn't be able to tell that they were being chewed on. So lepers were often disfigured. And if you were a leper, because of the the worry about the disease and, and believing that it was very communicable, they you would live in a leper colony. You were separated from your family. You could not go into the walled city of Jerusalem. If you wanted to go to synagogue, they had a separate compartment for lepers and you had to worship God through a screen. You had to walk around with your hair disheveled. You had to cover half of your face and cover your beard. And anywhere you went, you had to yell these two words, unclean, I'm unclean, to warn people that you were coming If you were next to a person, you couldn't be within six feet of them. And if the wind was blowing in your direction, away from you towards people, you had to be 150 feet away from other people. It was a life of shame and a life of pain. If you were married, you probably never got to touch your wife again. If you had family, you never got to touch your kids again. How many of you have seen the movie Ben-Hur? Raise up your hand if you've seen that movie. You remember that the mom and the daughter get lepers, they become lepers, and they're in that colony, and you see the agony in Charlton Heston just knowing, you know, that he can't even be near his family, and he takes a huge risk by even going into the leper colony. And the beauty of the end of that movie is that healing that takes place of the mom and the daughter by the power of Jesus Christ. Phenomenal stuff. And so some of the doctors, even Paul Bernard that's done some research in the recent past on leprosy, calls it a painless hell. And it's been pointed out that leprosy 
is a symbolic picture. Here's the deeper picture of sin. A slow, gradual process that eats away at you until it eventually destroys you, but you don't even really realize what's happening to you. You're losing things in your life that are precious and important, but you can't feel anymore. The only way you could really understand what's happening to you is if you look in the mirror and then you're reminded of what's happening in your life. And leprosy becomes this spiritual, symbolic picture of sinful mankind. Many people just don't realize what sin is doing to them. You are listening to Living Truth Radio with Pastor Michael Lance. I'm Mike Massaro, and I know what you're thinking. Wait, why are you interrupting Pastor Michael's sermon? Well, I have a good reason. Since Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported program, it relies on donations from people just like you to stay on the air. And trust me, you can't always assume that someone else is going to be the one doing the donating. So if God has blessed you through our ministry, we'd encourage you to go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the donate button. Let's face it, the way the world's going these days, we need all the solid teaching we can get. So partner with us today. That's livingtruthradio.org. Now, back to Pastor Michael. And so many people that were touched by the power of the Messiah on that night in Capernaum did not repent. And here's this scene. This is Mark 1:39. It says, and he, Jesus, went into their synagogues throughout all Galilee, Mark 1:39, preaching and casting out the demons. And a leper came to him, beseeching him and falling on his knees before him and saying to him, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Matthew's parallel account in Matthew 8, verse 2, says, behold, he almost appears out of nowhere. A leper came to him and bowed down to him saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And we saw in the previous account a man with an unclean spirit, and now we see a man who's considered unclean. He has to announce to the world that he is dirty, soiled, and diseased. And now he comes to Jesus, and he's taking a huge risk because anybody that's even in the vicinity when he approaches has to be angry and upset. What are you doing here? You have no right to be here. And he comes up to Jesus, and he bows down before him. In Matthew's account, the, word, the idea of bowing down is proskuneo in Greek, and it means to prostrate oneself. It's the word for worship. And he calls him Lord in Matthew's account. Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. I believe he prefaces it with if you are willing because he's probably a man so used to people not being willing, so used to being cast out, so used to rejection. Is that you? You feel that way in your life? That's the man that Jesus is dealing with. And he comes to the feet of Jesus and he says, if you're willing, you, and I believe the implication is you alone can make me clean. R.C. Trench, the great Greek scholar and the inspiration for and first editor of the monumental Oxford English Dictionary recognized this. He said, though the leper was not worse or guiltier than his fellow countrymen, he was nevertheless a parable of sin an outward visible sign of innermost spiritual corruption. The nature of leprosy with its insidious beginnings, its slow progress, its destructive power, and the ultimate ruin it brings makes it a powerful symbol of moral depravity. As I've walked this earth, I've seen some people, 
Sometimes at the end of their lives, they are so leprous in their hearts, they don't even want to talk to anybody anymore. They are not open to the gospel anymore. They've been so overrun by this disease that sin brings to a life. And sometimes you almost feel like there's a wall, an impenetrable wall up. In Luke's parable account, or uh, excuse me, uh, parallel account, go to Luke, next book to your right, Luke's parallel account in Luke chapter five, Luke says it came about verse 12, Luke five, verse 12, that while Jesus was in one of the cities, behold, there was a man full of leprosy. Now, Luke was a medical doctor. And so Luke gives us a little bit, of, a little bit more insight. This man was full of leprosy. In other words, it wasn't just the beginning stages of the disease. He was full of it. He was diseased, the idea seems to be, from head to toe. He was probably a terribly ugly scene to see. If you want to try to stomach it, you can go and look at a picture of a person that's filled with leprosy, and all it takes is one picture to get the idea. It's a terrible sight to see. And this man was full of leprosy, and Luke says in 5.12 that the man full of leprosy, when he saw Jesus, he fell, notice, on his face and implored him, saying, Lord... If you are willing, you can make me clean. Leprosy dominated the man and defined the man. Now, what's interesting about these parallel accounts in Mark and Matthew and Luke, all that record this incident, in Matthew's account, the scene is recorded just after Jesus preaches the Sermon on the Mount, the tail end of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 7. And in Luke's gospel, I want you to look back a few verses because here's what's happening in the context and flow. Luke 5, verse 8. But when Simon Peter saw that, that is the miracle catch of fish, he fell down at Jesus' feet saying, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For amazement had seized him and all his companions because of the catch of fish which they had taken. And that leads us right into verse 12 and the story of the leper. And here's the idea Peter is the spiritual picture of the physical reality just a few verses later. Track with me on this one. Peter, in the presence of the Holy One, realizes his spiritual leprous condition. He falls down on his knees before the Lord and says, Lord, you remember? Depart from me, for I am a sinful man. In the presence of the Holy One, Peter saw who he was, and much like a leper, he would say, unclean, unclean. Lord, please go away. I see who you are, and I see who I am in light of your holiness, and my life is full of leprosy, quote unquote, if you will. Please depart unclean, unclean. That's the scene, folks. And Jesus says, Peter, don't be afraid. From now on, you will become a fisher of men. What did he mean? Men just like you, Peter, are going to come and experience my healing power. You've just seen a foretaste of coming attractions. You ain't seen nothing yet, Pete, baby. You see, this is what ministry is about. It's about the church being the hands and feet of Jesus reaching out to those who are broken and the man saw his true condition and this is what it takes to be saved. 
Psalm 51.17 says, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Write these down for your notes. Isaiah 57.15 says, thus says the high and exalted one who lives forever, whose name is holy, I dwell on a high and holy place and also with the contrite and lowly of spirit in order to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. And Isaiah 66, one and two says, thus says the Lord, heaven is my throne, the earth is my footstool. Where then is a house that you could build for me? And where is a place that I may rest? For my hand made all these things. Thus all these things came into being, declares the Lord. But to this one I will look, listen to this, to him who is humble and contrite of spirit, and to him who trembles at my word. You see, this has always been the case for sinful humanity. You could say sinful Israel who fell in the desert and still was in a fallen condition, but for all of mankind to realize our condition before the Holy One. It's captured in Isaiah 64. If you turn there, Isaiah chapter 64. While you turn there, I'm gonna read to you from uh, Psalm 24, but turn to Isaiah 64. We'll start in verse one, but here's Psalm 24, three and four. It says, who may ascend into the hill of the Lord, who may stand in his holy place, he who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to falsehood and has not sworn deceitfully. The only way you can have clean hands and a pure heart is to have that heart cleansed by Jesus Christ. Look at Isaiah 64. The culmination of so much in the book of Isaiah, Israel's problems, God saying there's hope, and here's Isaiah 64, one says, oh, that thou would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains might quake at thy presence. As fire kindles the brushwood, as fire causes water to boil, to make thy name known to thy adversaries, that the nations may tremble at thy presence, Isaiah 64, three. When thou did awesome things, which we did not expect, Thou didst come down, and the mountains quaked at thy presence. For from old they have not heard nor perceived by ear. Neither has the eye seen a God besides thee, who acts in behalf of the one who waits for him. Thou dost meet him who rejoices in doing righteousness, who, who remembers thee in thy ways. Behold, thou was angry, for we sinned. We continued in them a long time. And shall we be saved? For all of us have become like one who is what? unclean. All our righteous deeds are like a filthy garment. All of us wither like a leaf and our iniquities like the wind take us away. And there is no one who calls on thy name, who arouses himself to take hold of thee. Think of the leper for thou hast hidden thy face from us and thou hast delivered us into the power of our iniquities or the power of our sins. That's the leper, but he came to the Lord. But now, O Lord, thou art our father. We are the clay, thou our potter. And all of us are the work of thy hand. Do not be angry beyond measure, O Lord. Neither remember iniquity forever. Behold, look now, all of us are thy people. Do you see? Israel is being pictured here, but all of mankind in this broken condition. And all you've got to do is realize where you are in the presence of the Holy One. Back to Mark chapter one. And you can receive healing. There are two tricky things about sin though. There are some people walking the planet who do not realize their condition. They don't think they need God's help. They think Christianity and that kind of thing is for other people, other people who need Jesus. There's a story 
about uh, this type of religious person who doesn't think they're a sinner told about um, John Wesley and George Whitfield had a supporter of theirs. She was the Countess or Lady of Huntington. She invited a duchess, the proud duchess of Buckingham, to hear Whitfield preach and receive this amazing written reply. Listen to this. It is monstrous to be told, she says, that you have a heart as sinful as the common wretches that crawl on the earth. This is highly offensive and insulting, and I cannot but wonder that your ladyship should relish any sentiment so much at variance with high rank and good breeding, close quote. It's the poor wretches that need to hear that kind of stuff, not someone like me, said the duchess. And you run into people like this. They say, oh, Jesus, fine for those poor people who, you know, whatever, fill in the blank. But they don't realize that they are the picture of a person who needs the Lord. And then there's somebody on the other extreme, and that's the person who thinks that they're so full of leprosy, quote unquote, so far gone that the Lord would never be willing to touch them. They say things like, you know, if I ever walked into that church, you better step a few paces back because there might just be lightning at the door. And I've told people, yeah, that may happen, but that's all right. No, just kidding. You see, there are some people who think they're in no need of repentance. Isaiah 30, verse 15 says, thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel. He said, in repentance and rest, you shall be saved. In quietness and trust is your strength. But you, Isaiah 30, verse 15, were unwilling. We run into the demoniacs later in this gospel, right? Mm -hmm. Who are at Gadara. Yeah. And the one is shrieking at night. He lives among the tombs. He cuts himself. He, he's, he's destroying himself. And everybody's fearful of me as supernatural power. So that seems to be one of the goals of, of, of this darkness and the boundaries um, are wherever the Lord is wherever the Lord of light is mm-hmm. that's what that's when darkness is going to flee but it doesn't necessarily mean that it stops at the do- entrance of a church building or it really stops when the light of God is there that's when darkness must flee so let's talk to a person who may be very much resonating with what we're saying Oscar what kind of encouragement would you give a person, because I know you have your own experiences as well, where you would give them some hope, some light, uh, maybe even a, a sense of calm and fear, uh, calming from their fears in the presence and goodness of Jesus Christ. Well, for me, through my experiences and exposures of the evil of man, first off, some people may not think that there is the reality of evil, which is the subject that I started off our conversation with. People may think that man is inherently good, but that's not the case. As you just mentioned, that the evil would desire to destroy that which is made in the image of God. We are only a couple weeks removed from the shootings that had occurred in in a church. In Sutherland, Texas, yeah. Right. And there is no bound as to what man can do. We do have some kind of capacity. Now, on the other end, you do see the goodness of man. Now, how can you deny that? So when we do come through some major issues like that, you have to know the difference between good and evil. And there is some kind of influence that guides that. Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, learn more about our church in Corona, or to access archived messages, go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the church tab. 
You can follow us on Instagram at Living Truth Corona or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry. You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org.